Good morning again. If you will, go ahead and turn in your copy of the scriptures to Galatians 1, verse 11. We're going to continue our series through the book of Galatians called Free! Exclamation point. Free! The title of the message this morning is especially for the bad ones. Free, especially for the bad ones. Did you know the gospel of Jesus Christ? (laughs) The God-man, the perfect one, creator God, the good God, where all of heaven today is screaming, holy, holy, holy. That, that God, that Jesus, his gospel is especially for bad people. The guy that wrote Galatians was a bad people. We don't, we don't really think of him like that, man. We, we, we like to talk about Paul after he had trusted Jesus, but before Jesus, the reality of Paul's life is the church was calling him a terrorist. He was killing folk, bad guy. The only thing that changed Paul from evil, totally terribly evil, to good was the cross. If you're here today and you say, man, I'm awful. I don't know why I'm in church this morning. I'm a bad guy. I'm a bad girl. I woke woke up with the wrong dude last night. I woke up with the wrong woman last night. I I inhaled the wrong uh, substance last night. I I, I got tore down last night. I got polluted uh, from alcohol last night. I, I said all the wrong words to my spouse this morning. The gospel's for you. It's for especially you. The bad ones. And man, I'm thankful. I have to confess to you this morning, if you came a couple Wednesday nights ago uh, to uh, the, your history that Kirk led on a couple Wednesday nights ago, if you were here, if you were present, some of the things I'm going to talk about this morning line up with what he said. It kind of matches. Um, I, I, I preliminary studied this scripture on Monday because I meet with a group of men on Tuesday mornings and talk about the, the message that I'm going to preach the following Sunday. We discuss it. We hash it out. I'm thankful for that time. We won't have it this week because of some things that are going on, but um, I, I studied I went to men's group and we talked through some things. Then I left men's group here in Wynn and went to Little Rock to do a Devo for the Arkansas Children's Home Families Ministry. Jamie can tell you better. I messed that up bad. But Little Rock to do a devotion. And on the way, I listened to the Wednesday night thing that Kirk did. And I was like, oh, I got to say that Sunday morning too. And it just kept on. It was like, oh, yeah, I got to talk about that too. And I was thinking, man, the people that came, they're going to think Dustin copied off Kirk and they were in cahoots together and uh, they're going to think we, we did this on purpose. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, last week you ended the message with, don't worry, worry about what people think, just preach the word. 
So you don't have to believe me, but this morning we're still going to preach the word. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. Maybe Jesus wants us to hear those things twice. And if that's what he wants, let's just do it. Verse 11. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it, but it came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism. I intensely persecuted God's church church, and tried to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many contemporaries among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I could preach him to the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. Then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know Cephas. Cephas is the same man as Peter, one of the apostles. Cephas is his Greek name or Aramaic name, and Peter is the opposite. And I stayed with him 15 days. But I didn't see any of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. I declare in the sight of God, I am not lying in what I write to you. Afterward, I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I remained personally unknown to the Judean churches that are in Christ. They simply kept hearing, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. And they they glorified God because of me. So Paul is, if you remember from last week, he's, he's defending himself against a group of people called the Judaizers. These were Jewish people who had converted to Christianity, but Wikipedia looked that up for me. Siri looked that up, looked Judaizers up for me. Um, I got to figure that out. I'm sorry. It's like every week now. Um, but they had said, yes, you, you need to trust Jesus to go to heaven, but you need to be circumcised to be a part of our church. Basically saying, I know you're good enough. Jesus makes you good enough for heaven, but circumcision makes you good enough for us. Which blows my mind. Awful theology. And Paul is defending the gospel to this church that he planted years before. And in this passage, he's telling him, guys, I want you to know that the gospel I preached to you was not told to me by anybody else. Jesus spoke to me on my donkey on the the way to Damascus. The risen Christ appeared to me and knocked me off my donkey. There's another way to say that, but it's inappropriate for church. But he knocked me off my donkey. And he spoke this real, true gospel to me. I didn't didn't get it from some other... Nobody convinced me. Nobody sold me a used car of the gospel. 
I got this from straight from the mouth of the resurrected King Jesus. You have to believe me. But Paul is defending himself. And in a sense, I have a little bit of a, that, that kind of weirds me out. Like Paul is, is defending Paul. And, and most of the time, you know, you, you don't really want to see people defend themselves. You ever seen somebody defend themselves and they get, like, it's, that's not a good look. And, and, you know, I've, I've had people say things about me that were untrue or maybe twisted. And immediate, I'm not a confrontational guy. I don't, like, want to have a confrontation. But when that happens, the first thing I want to do is, like, let's set up a meeting. Let's talk. And, and I don't really know when to defend and when not to defend. There's other times in, in the Scripture when Paul doesn't defend. Philippians. Check this verse out in Philippians. We, we need to read this together. That one. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. So he's saying there's these people that have bad motives in preaching the gospel. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. So they're preaching Jesus but they're preaching Jesus to get at Paul, maybe to steal some of his followers, maybe just to, to, to build a, a group, a following, uh, to get at Paul. I don't know why they're doing it, but their motives are bad. And Paul says, what does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. So the first thing I want us to ask this week is defend or not to defend. When do we know to defend and when do we know not to defend? In, in the scripture we're studying, Paul is defending himself. In Philippians, he's saying, man, don't say nothing to him because the kingdom's advancing. So how do we know? And it's real simple and obvious but it's also difficult. In the Philippians passage we just looked at, Paul clarifies that although they were trying to get at Paul, they were still pushing the message of the gospel forward. They may be tearing Paul down, but Jesus is moving forward. Let them go. In the Galatians passage, they weren't just tearing Paul down, they were tearing the gospel down. And Paul says, in this case, we'll go toe-to-toe. That's the difference. We defend ourselves, we defend when the gospel is at stake. When our name is at stake, and the gospel is continuing to go forward, let it go. That's easy and simple and clear, but extremely difficult. When somebody questions my character, I want to bow up. I'm not a bad guy. 
Paul said, man, just let them talk. Jesus is still moving. Some of the most powerful things I've ever seen in in relation to this, I, I have seen people smash a believer, just absolutely smash the believer, say, this guy is evil, he's horrible, he's bad, I can't stand this guy, and this guy respond and say, you're exactly right, my only hope is Jesus. When somebody's able to do that, when we're able to do that, Jesus is exalted and magnified. And it's the truth of the gospel. Y'all, we are broken, we are ugly, we are evil. There's no need in defending that we aren't. When somebody says you're a bad guy, they're right. When they mess with the gospel, we got to clarify. When they start adding to the gospel, we have to correct. When they just tell the truth about our ugliness, okay. You're right. I mean, that's part of the gospel is that I'm awful. And my only hope is King Jesus. Defend when the gospel is at stake. Leave it alone and everything else. The second thing I want us to see this morning from this passage. Uh, By the way, I'm coaching my own soul to do that, what we just talked about. I'm not perfect at it. Dustin's coaching myself at only defending the gospel. Number two thing I want us to see this morning. No believer is incredible, but Jesus has an incredible plan for every believer. I want us to reread verses 13 through 16. Uh, just, that, just the one verse is going to be on your screen. I, I want you to see something here, though. Um, I want us to slow down. I, I want us to point out just, just one thing in each verse. We're going to start with verse 13. You, you need to see this. <clears throat> he says, for you have heard, and that's what, I want you to, that's what I want you to see, for you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism. I, intense, I intensely persecuted God's church and tried to destroy it. For you have heard. What, what, what does that mean? For, for you have heard. It means that Paul wasn't running around saying, boy, I used to kill folk. But people were talking it. And, and I, I have in my mind that the Judaizers were twisting Paul's past to get at him. I have a feeling about that. Y'all trust the guy that used to kill our folks over us? We're the good circumcised people. He used to kill folk. And, and Paul says, you have heard about my former way of life. We, we are pushing here that we want the bridge to be excellent 
at sharing our story of Jesus in our life. That's the thing that Kirk taught a couple Wednesday nights ago. He taught us how to be- better share our story to others. And, and this is why. It, it's, so, it's so vital for us to be able to just tell others what Jesus has done and is doing in our life. We're going to talk about why later. But everybody that has trusted the Lord Jesus has a story. And if you don't have a story, we need to visit Nobody runs into the creator of the universe and stays the same. It's impossible. Cannot be done. You have a story and you are the expert on it. You may not know uh, 10 years worth of of doctrine that you've studied for however many hours. You, You may not have all that, but you know what Jesus has done in and for you. Better than anybody else. You are the best at knowing your story. And we want you to be great storytellers of the work of Jesus in your life. But Paul says, you have heard. There's, there's two things when people talk about their past before Jesus that can be a little bit of a mistake in sharing their story that I want us to look at. Uh, they're... they're they're, they're going to be on the screen. Number one is we hide it. Paul, Paul didn't lie about his past. Paul didn't try to cover up his past. Paul didn't try to hide his past. He went on and told in the letter, yes, I persecuted the church. I killed people. I was a bad guy. He told the truth. There's, there's some of us, we don't want to share our past, who we were before Jesus because we are prideful and we want people to think better of us than we are. So we hide our past. Did you know that if before Jesus you were a thief and he changed you and you're embarrassed of that, there is a thief today that needs to hear that there's hope for him. Did you know that if before Jesus you were addicted to porn, and that's embarrassing to you now, you don't want to talk about that, you don't want your kids to hear about that, you don't, you don't want anybody to know about that, so let's, let's not talk about that. There is a porn addict today that needs to know Jesus can change anybody. If, if, if your past is is walking in adultery or or alcoholism or uh, addiction, did you know that there are people in, in those things entrenched in them right now today that need to hear, Jesus changed me. They need that hope. They need that word. Don't hide what Jesus has changed you from. Paul says, I was that. I was that. Number two mistake, though. The other side of the coin, we make it the best best part of the story. I've heard heard some people, y'all, talk about their past. Boy, I could get any woman I wanted. Jesus changed me. Now I got to go to church. 
Well, who wants Jesus to change you from that? We, we exalt our past, and it communicates to people, well, I don't know if I want Jesus or not. We need to not hide our past, not cover up our past, but authentically communicate that in the past we were in bondage. We had no hope in where we were. And what we found in Jesus was freedom. I love that Paul says, you have heard. Because it means he wasn't announcing, he wasn't focusing on who he was, but he also wasn't hiding it. He was authentically communicating what Jesus had done for him. That's what we need to do when we share our story. Before Jesus, don't hide it, but don't act like it's the best part. Verse 14. I advanced in Judaism beyond many contemporaries among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. I thought that was interesting that he was extremely zealous for the traditions of his ancestors. Now, Paul was a Pharisee, Paul was a Jew, and his ancestors were Jewish. But he's not saying, I was extremely zealous for the Old Testament law. He's saying, I was extremely zealous for the tradition of the people who lived before me. And y'all, this is a challenging part of the gospel. When Jesus confronts us with our sin, and we love those people who taught us to sin in this way sometimes, sometimes we're more zealous for our ancestors and their traditions than we are the gospel. Whatever you've been taught, whatever you've been taught in your past, whatever Tuesday, I, I, am, I am burying my nana, my, my grandmother. She passed away yesterday morning at 1230. Nana was good as gold. I love nana, and I always will. But the truth of the matter is, if, if nana said it, but Jesus didn't, Jesus was right. If what nana said did not line up with what Jesus said, Jesus is still right. I love Nana, but I confess Jesus. Only Jesus. Always Jesus. Sometimes we have to put away things that we loved in our mamas and daddies and grandmas and grandpas. And we have to say that's sin. That was sin. That wasn't just how they were. That wasn't just when they lived, that was sin. And Jesus is true. Verse 15. But when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased. From my mother's womb. The story of Paul being the great apostle to the Gentiles, did not begin when Paul decided to follow Jesus. Paul was chosen by God from his mother's womb before he was so jacked up that he was persecuting the church. 
Friend, let me tell you something. If you are a believer this morning, it is not because you found Jesus. I know what people mean when they say that. I'm I'm not attacking that. But you did not find Jesus. Jesus found you. You did not pursue Jesus. Jesus pursued you. You did not choose Jesus. Jesus chose you. And when you are telling your story, that needs to be communicated. Jesus was pursuing me when I was sprinting as hard as I could to get away from him. And today, Jesus is pursuing you. That has to be shared. We did not get chosen. We are not part of the church. We are not part of the kingdom of God because we were so good that we decided to pursue Jesus. Jesus chose us only because he was so good. He chose us in our badness. Verse 16, to reveal his son in me. That's a continuation of the sentence. But this is the important part that you've got to see. So that I could preach him among the Gentiles. Jesus chose Paul. Why? So that he could go to heaven. Jesus chose Paul. The scripture says so that he wouldn't have to go to hell. Right? Isn't that what that said? Jesus chose Paul so that Jesus could use Paul to reach more people for his kingdom. We make way too much, we make way too much of our salvation only being about heaven and hell. If you are saved, rescued from the bondage of sin this morning, it is not only, it is not mainly about you going to heaven. Jesus has made a plan for you to be used to reach the next one. Jesus chose James Weaver so that he could tell the truth to Tyler. James gets to go to heaven. But Jesus chose James so that Tyler would know. Jesus, if you are are following Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, he has chosen you so that somebody on the other side of your salvation will know. It's not about you. Paul, (laughs) Paul was not an incredible person, but Jesus had an incredible plan for Paul's life. Paul was bent to let religion rule him. And Jesus allowed religion to rule him for a time. But then Jesus jerked him out and gave him an incredible purpose. Paul needed to do the things he did. 
Paul needed to be a Pharisee. He needed to be passionate about the law because one day he was going to be ministering to Gentiles and people were going to say, you aren't real because you're not circumcised. And Paul needed to have a past where he could step toe to toe with those people and say, it is only Jesus. I know about the Old Testament better than you. Paul needed to persecute Christians because he was going to be sent to minister to people who the whole world, all the Jews said, you don't really belong. You're not really good enough. And Paul had done so much to harm the church, he didn't really belong either. Paul was not an incredible man, but Jesus had an incredible plan for him. And the same is true for you, y'all. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are not incredible. Teenagers, did you hear that? You're not awesome. But man, Jesus can use you in an awesome way. Third thing. Every believer has the power for church change, community change, and world change inside of them. Do you believe Jesus can do anything? Does anybody else? I believe Jesus can do anything. I've seen him save the worst of people. I've seen him use the most broke down of people, even this morning. Jesus can do anything, and his spirit, the scripture says, is inside every believer. So in you, if you are a follower of Jesus, if if you trust him with your soul, inside of you exists the spirit of the almighty God that can do what he wants. And he's empowered you for change. The first thing is for the church. I want you to see it in in these verses. Uh, The next slide, it is verse 23 and 24. This is what the church said about Paul. They simply kept hearing, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Can you imagine how incredible that would have been for the church? This guy was killing us, but God changed him. And now he's being used in an even more powerful way for good. You have that in you. That if if somebody told me, hey, there was a guy that was killing Christians in the United States, but God changed him. Boy, I'm fixing to go share the gospel with somebody today. I'm, I'm pumped. Give me a bad sinner. I want to see it happen with me. What an encouragement to the church. He's not killing us anymore. He's serving the same, same king we are. That changes everything for the church. The second is, is for the community, and it's, it's in uh, the previous verses. Up, uh, go, go to a couple more slides over. Verse 16, there you... Uh, I'm sorry, verse 21. Kendra? It's all good. Verse 21 is this. Afterward, I went to 
the regions of Syria and Cilicia. Paul was from a town called Tarsus, and his hometown was in Cilicia. So, so after he had trusted Jesus, after he had waited for a few years, he went back to his hometown, his community, who knew who he was before he trusted Jesus. He was a Christian terrorist, a Christian killer. He went back to his hometown, and he said, let me tell you who I am today. That changes the community. I hear people talk about Kirk all the time. I, I knew that dude when he was jacked up. And I see what God's doing in him today, and it's incredible. You are meant to stay here. A lot of you are meant to stay here and be a picture to not yet of what God has done in your life. You are an agent for change in our community. You're meant to be. And the last thing is the world. Acts, Acts 19.10 says this about Paul. He was serving the church in Acts 19. He was going on mission everywhere, everywhere. And it says this went on for two years so that all the residents of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. All of Asia, big place, heard the gospel because of the ministry of Paul. The same spirit that existed in Paul exists in every believer today in the same way. You are meant to be, if you are following Jesus, you're meant to be church changers, community changers, and whole world changers. Application this morning. Share a genuine account of your story with an unbeliever or a struggling believer. That's what Paul was doing in these verses 11 through 24 is he was just sharing an honest account of his story, who he was before Jesus, what happened when he met Jesus, and how he's changed since Jesus. And I want to ask you to start doing that this week also. I want to give you three reasons, three huge reasons why you should share your story. One is obvious, the evangelism of unbelievers. People can argue with the Bible. They can argue with the Scripture. They can say they don't believe it. But they can't tell you what's happened to you. You're the expert on your story. You may not be the expert on the Bible, but don't tell me what Jesus has done in my life. Number two. Audrey, if you will make your way up here. Number two is the encouragement to other believers. Uh, David, I'm going to need that mic. I should have told you this before, but um, we're taking a group of people to Guatemala in the next few weeks, July the 1st through the 8th. And we've been meeting some, and during those meetings, Audrey's going, uh, my new best friend, and um, Audrey's going. And in those meetings, I have challenged everyone because, because we want our church to be, to be able to share their story. I've, I've challenged our mission team. I want to hear your story before you go. Last week, uh, we opened the meeting and I said, who wants to share their story? And 
I didn't expect this, but Audrey piped up almost immediately and said, I will. And I was encouraged. And I want you to hear her story this morning. Hi. Um, so, like he said, last week I shared my story and it's not like most stories. It's it was all started when I was like really little, okay? So I'm I'm the first of my parents. So you know how like firstborns are like everyone thinks they're perfect, right? So I was I was always told to be a good girl. Not a nice girl, not a sweet girl, a good girl. And I took that very very personally. So um, all my life, I would strive to be perfect and not get in anyone's way, not speak up, not do anything. And um, one day, my mom was listening to a podcast, and it talked about how, like, we are never going to be enough, ever. And, and, you know, I, I didn't really think much about it. It was just another podcast. But Jesus really takes a hold of you in those moments. He grabbed me by the arm and he said, you are not enough. But with me, you're enough. And so, he flipped my life around. And I don't want to be perfect anymore. I don't have to be. I don't have to perform for anyone. But I want to be with Jesus. And so, well, thank you for listening. <laughs> thank you, Audrey. So there's, there's a room full of adults, and, and all of us are kind of like, I don't know how to share, sir. And Audrey said, I will. And she said, my story's not like everybody else's. You know, everybody told me I was good. And Mr. Mike piped up and said, I was one of those. And she said, I went through life thinking that, that I had to be perfect. And she started crying and her mama started crying. And I started crying. We all started crying. And she said, I heard the reality of who Jesus was that I don't have to perform for him. And I just trust him. And it blessed me. And it encouraged me. And it said, I, I really want other teenagers to say that. Teenagers are, are consumed with the likes they get on social media. And, and all of us are. But Audrey said, when I, when I encountered Jesus, all that kind of went away. Her, her, her story's different, but man, it's powerful. She didn't, she didn't come out of drug addiction. And, and sometimes we think we hear a story about somebody that comes out of drug addiction, and we're like, man, I don't have a story like that. I was a pretty good guy most of the time, and I don't really have a powerful testimony. Audrey didn't come out of addiction, but she got a powerful story. 
And, and here's the reason. Here's the reason. The, the title of the message is especially for the bad ones. And maybe when I started the message, you thought that. Well, I don't have this power. Some of you might have said, well, that's me. And some of you might have said, well, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not really. I, I went to 13 VBSs when I was eight. I'm pretty awesome. Everybody's bad. The gospel is so good because everybody else is so bad. You're bad. The gospel is for you. Thank you, sister. That was bold, and I'm thankful she did that. We all say thank you one more time. The last thing is the reason why, the last reason you need to share your story is alerting the world to the reign of Jesus. I told you earlier that I'm burying my grandmother um, Tuesday, and she had dementia. She followed the Lord, but she had dementia. And when I do a a funeral, I try to get the Bible of the person whose funeral I'm doing and preach from it. And I like to look through it because sometimes they've written little little notes in there. And sometimes I just let them preach their own funeral uh, because I just use the notes they use. Um, Makes it easier. So if you want me to do it, start taking notes now. But my grandma had this book in the later days while she had dementia, and she, you could tell by reading the notes, she, she started knowing that her mind was leaving. There were even times where she would say, uh, Jesus, I need you. I need you. Because right now there's this chaos in my mind, and I, I, just, I just need your help. And I got to read that. These are some of the notes that my Nana wrote. It was like she took notes, took notes, took notes, took notes, and then they were shorter notes, and they were shorter notes, and there were no more notes. One of the notes she says, I know you're the one I run to. Father, you are the healer of me. I'm held by your right hand. What a great thought. I love you. I know you love me. And I'm thankful for your death on the cross. That you love me so much that you're willing to die for just me. Hallelujah. She said, help me be gentle in all things. And she wasn't all the time. She said, why do you, why do I resist worshiping you? You are the great comforter, peace giver, joy giver. But my time is spent on other things. Will you help me? There was a woman 
with dementia and her, her mind was gone and Jesus was speaking through her writing. She was eat up with dementia. She didn't know who I was for a long time. And she's writing this incredible heart song on these sheets of paper. And you, you know what that means? That Jesus is more powerful than dementia. And Jesus is more powerful than the liver disorder that she had. And Jesus is more powerful than cancer. Because Jesus is over all and he reigns. And, and sometimes people don't need to hear exactly what happened before you trusted Jesus, what happened when you trusted Jesus, and what's happened after you trusted Jesus. Sometimes people need to hear what Jesus did in your life yesterday. Like, man, I woke up, and I didn't have it together, and I ran into this cat. He said exactly what I needed to hear. Jesus is so good. That sometimes that's what people need to hear. I needed to hear, I needed to read from my grandmother's hand that even though she had dementia, Jesus was over it the whole time. Jesus reigns. And the world, maybe before they're evangelized, evangelized they need to be alerted that Jesus just, in, just isn't just in the world, he's over the world. Jesus isn't just part of this thing. This thing is all about him. And sometimes we just need to speak Jesus. Just talk about what Jesus did for me yesterday. Can you do that? Will you, will you just... For one of those reasons, will, will, you, will you share your story this week so that somebody will meet Jesus for the first time? Or, or, or is there somebody in your life that's discouraged, a believer that's discouraged? And like Audrey, you, you just pipe up and you, you just say, man, Jesus has just been so good. Let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. Jesus used that in my soul. Or will you just... Just talk about Jesus to alert the world that he's over it. Will you pick one of those reasons this week? One of those three reasons and share a story of what Jesus is doing in your life. He can do powerful things if you will. This morning we're going to sing two more songs. Obviously you can come up here and pray if you would like. If, if you, uh, I share this almost every week, but if you, if you think that you have gone too far, you're here for a reason, and it's very potential, very much potential that Jesus chose you from your mother's womb for today when you would meet him so that others would hear as well. If you want to encounter Jesus for the first time, we can help you do that.
I'm going to step out in the lobby for just a second. You're welcome to come out there. You're welcome to come up here and pray. You're welcome to, we're, we're a family. This is called the family room. You're welcome to grab somebody by the arm, even if they're like, what are you doing? Go ahead and grab them and say, hey, will you come pray with me? It's okay if they're uncomfortable. There's worse things to be uncomfortable about. Will you just do whatever the Lord tells you to do? And then after we leave this place, will you talk about him? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your goodness. Uh, Thank you for your... (laughs) uh, Thank you that there's no wall you won't tear down running after us. Sometimes we're on the other side of that wall, kicking and screaming, clinging to it, loving that wall. But you won't... There's none that you won't kick down just because... You love us so well. I'm thankful for these this morning that are here. And as you speak to them, I pray that you would also grant them the courage to do whatever it is you're speaking. Sometimes we hear your voice, but we're not even, we're not even courageous enough to do what you say. So I ask you that as you speak, you would also grant courage. We're deeply in love with you, and we're deeply in need of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.